Good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Hopefully you were able to join us last week for our Easter weekend, whether it was here at our Noonan campus, at our LaGrange campus, or online. I want to say welcome to all of you. We did have a great weekend last weekend between Good Friday service and Easter Sunday morning. It was amazing just to celebrate our risen Savior. And I want to tell you this. I shared this with uh, our guest services team just a little while ago. Do you know God is alive? Every Sunday is Easter Sunday morning, knowing that we serve a risen Savior. And so I believe that God wants to do something amazing today. I I feel like we come in with anticipation on days like Easter and Good Friday and Christmas Eve. And I want us to come in with the same expectancy and anticipation this morning as we do on those days. I am excited you're here. I know a lot of you maybe were out for spring break. I hope you had a wonderful spring break. I was seeing pictures all over social media of people, whether it's at the lake, at the beach, or whatever. And I love that it really felt more like winter break for half the week. But some of you were like, oh no, I'm still going to get out here and enjoy the beach. I'm going to get in this water. I'm going to go out on the lake. I went to the lake for a few days this weekend. I saw a guy wakeboarding. I'm like, you are crazy. You are just crazy, but I hope you had a great and relaxing week if you were able to spend time with your family. Today we are starting a new series called Finding Truth in a World Full of Lies. Isn't this such a hot topic right now is what is true in our world? I literally saw a video this week, it popped up on Twitter, and it was this whole video about how you can't trust anything that any news outlet says. You can't trust a single thing. And so where do we find truth in this world? Who do we know to believe and what do we believe? You know, it seems like our world is teaching us that whatever you want to be true to you is fine, that it's objective, that truth is your opinion. But we see in the Bible that it states very clearly in John 14, 6, as it talks about Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's very clear right there. Jesus says, I am the truth. And so we get to find the truth in God's word and the person of Jesus while we go through this world that has so many difficult things that are happening, so many tough questions. And what we're going to be addressing today is something that actually comes from this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That if God is truth, do you know the number, one of the number one questions people ask about God and Christianity is, okay, if, if God is truth, if God is love, Why does a God of love allow evil and suffering in the world? This is such a hard topic, isn't it? Because the enemy is trying to get us to believe the lie that God is not good. He's trying to get us to believe the lie that you are suffering, you have trials, you have pain in your life because God is punishing you. And so as we deal with this topic today, it's hard, it's difficult This was one of these messages, as I wrote it, I mean, I feel like I suffered through it. Because as humans, this is sometimes hard for us to understand and grasp because it deals with pain. It deals with personal pain that we feel in our life, and it deals with the pain that we see happening in the world. You can't help but turn on the news and see what's going on. And so I'm excited about this series because we're going to be looking at some of these tough topics and seeing what God wants to teach us in this moment. You see, what we're going to see today is that suffering does not mean an absence of God. It actually shows us the reason we need God. And suffering does not show us a shortfall of his goodness. We actually learn about his goodness because he sent Jesus to take on our suffering, to take on our pain and our heartache in this world. 
You see, a lot of times I view suffering like a storm. I want you to think about what is the worst storm you've ever been in? Go ahead, think about it for a minute. What's the worst storm you have ever been in? And the reason I think about suffering as a storm is because sometimes you can see the storm coming, and sometimes it just pops up out of nowhere. Sometimes it really doesn't leave any damage, and sometimes it leaves a lasting effect. Let me tell you about the worst storm I've ever been in. In elementary school, my family was on vacation. We were down in Florida, and we were at the beach, and our friend had a sailboat. He lived down there, and he said, hey, I want to take y'all out for a trip. And we're like, all right, this is going to be awesome. I have such a vivid memory of this. And so we hop on the boat. We start going out. Everything's going great. The weather looks perfect. we got to go about a little over two miles to get to this island that he was wanting to take us to that didn't have anybody on it. He's like, you're not going to believe it. It's just beautiful when we get there. I mean, you don't see any footprints or anything. And so we're traveling in this sailboat that not, is not that big. And we're about halfway, and out of nowhere, this storm pops up. And I don't mean a little rain shower. I'm talking about everyone was really scared. We're all screaming, like, what's going on? I genuinely remember, it looked like the sail was about to touch the water. Our friend who was the captain was like, we got to drop the sail. We drop all the sails, drop the anchor, hurry, we're about to tip. That's not what you want to hear as an elementary school kid. We're about to tip over. You're like, I'm dead, you know? This is where it ends, all right. And I mean, the sky got completely dark. There was thunder and lightning. There was wind, and the waves were just crashing the boat to where we were going back and forth. And I remember we all have life jackets on. We're all holding on to things. And you can hear him shouting orders back and forth for my dad and what to do in this moment. And you see, a lot of times the reason I view suffering like a storm is, like I said, sometimes it just pops up. These trials, these heartaches, these things in our life. Maybe you're dealing with suffering right now. I feel like my family has dealt with the suffering of sickness and disease. My grandfather passed away when I was in third grade. My grandmother remarried. My grandfather right now, I found out last week, is in the hospital because of a heart attack. My other grandfather passed away from cancer a few years ago. My grandmother passed away from a spinal stroke, which is incredibly rare. And I have these stories in my life where I feel like I'm dealing with suffering, and sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. I still remember the phone call I got from my grandmother as I talked to her after she had her spinal stroke. This was a woman who loved to play golf and to go out and do things, and all of a sudden she couldn't walk anymore. And she was stuck in a bed. And you know, we feel like the waves of pain... The wind of struggle is always fighting against us. And if we don't drop our anchor and anchor ourselves in the hope of Jesus and in his truth and in his promises, then our suffering, then our trials are going to push us all around and maybe sink us. I remember the storm finally dissipated. What was supposed to be a quick, quick trip ended up taking a really long time. I got impatient. The storm passes. We made it through. We're like, wow, that was crazy. It clears up, and we can see the island as we get closer. And I decide, me and my friends, we're going to jump in and swim. As I jump, I still hear my mom saying, no, don't jump. Too late. I'm in midair. I hit the water. I instantly feel stinging all over my body. The storm had stirred up a pool of jellyfish, hundreds. Our captain said he, he thought they might even be a Portuguese man of war, which are known as floating terror, by the way. No joke. 
I feel tentacles wrapped around my body. And they're screaming at us, swim, swim, swim. And as you're trying to get these tentacles off, I finally made it to shore. My body is completely red. Sometimes in suffering, we feel like we get through the hardest part of it, the storm. And then something else hits us. And we don't know what to do. Are you going through a storm in your life right now? Do you feel like the waves of pain, depression, are hitting your life? And maybe you feel like you're past it and all of a sudden something else comes and wraps itself around you and you feel like you are just stuck and you don't know what to do. Today we're going to be looking at a story, learning what God teaches us in the New Testament about how we can handle the suffering, this pain, these trials in our life. Let's look at the New Testament. We, we find in John 9 that the disciples even have some questions about suffering. John 9, verse 1 and 2 says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Let's pray together. Jesus, we call upon your name this morning. God, I believe you want to do something amazing here. Not because of the words I'm going to say, but because of the truth that comes from your word. Because of the love that you give us. God, I pray right now walls are broken down, that minds are opened to be changed by you. I feel called to do this here at our Nuna campus, LaGrange campus, even online. If you feel like you're going through a season of suffering, a season of trial, pain, or you know someone in your life, would you just raise your hand? Wow. LaGrange, would you raise your hand? Online, would you position your heart right now in this moment? God, as I see hands go up all over this building, I know they're going up in LaGrange, God, that, God, would you open our hearts? We want to be changed by you. I still believe you're a miracle working God, and as we see this miracle happen today to this man who was blind from birth, I believe you want to do a miracle and bring healing today. We call upon your name, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So maybe you've asked this question, or you know someone in your life who has asked, why does God allow suffering? If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Let's read this whole story together. We're going to begin to see what God wants to teach us. John chapter 9, 1 through 7. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. Real quick, this is what I love about Jesus. The chapter before, literally a couple sentences before, the Pharisees are trying to stone Jesus and kill him. It says he slips away. As he's getting away from them, he sees this man and he stops. Aren't you glad that God sees us in our suffering? He sees us in our pain? He's not too busy to look at us individually and say, I love you, I want to help you. This is the God we serve. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The first thing that we need to learn here 
is to identify the problem. When we're going through a season of suffering and pain and fear, we must identify the problem. We see where the disciples immediately ask the question, why, right? And I feel like that's what we always ask. If you have kids, you understand. As you're teaching them, they will always want to know why. You know, clean your room, why? Eat your food, why? Wash your hands, why? This is a question that we ask a lot. And as we said in the beginning, People want to know why God allows this suffering in the world. So we first must identify the problem. If we don't do this, then we're missing the groundwork of these seasons of suffering in our life. You see, the problem is not Jesus. The problem is not God. The problem is sin. Whether it's personal sin or the fact that we live in a fallen world, in a world that is full of sin. You see, problems, they make us want to blame something, when a problem arises in our life, we instantly want to find who or what do I blame in this moment. But the blame should never fall on God. Sin and suffering were not part of the world God created. we got to understand this foundational truth. Sin and suffering were not part of the world God created. Look at Genesis one thirty one. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. God saw all that he made, And it was very good. You see, God did not create evil. Adam and Eve chose to sin. And when they chose to sin, that allowed sin to enter in this world. We're all born into a sin nature. But we actually begin to see the goodness of God. Some people think, oh, then then that means God isn't good. We actually begin to see the goodness of God as he has a plan for redemption. A plan for a savior To give us a chance. God said, well, I'm not going to leave you in that. I'm not going to leave you in your suffering for eternity. I want to give you a chance. I'm going to create a plan where I send my son to this world to take on your suffering, to take on your pain, your heartache, all these trials and tribulations that you're going through so that you still can have this relationship with me. But you see, there are times in our life where we need to own up to this situation, right? Where we need to ask God, is there personal sin in my life that is causing this? We all understand consequences. And there might be a sin in our life, whether you look at, you could look at multiple examples, whether it's an addiction in your life, that God, has this addiction caused this suffering in my life? Has this choice, has this lie Cause this pain. And we must be willing to ask these questions. And when we ask these questions, I think it it brings us into the proper perspective that our circumstances don't change the consistency of God's love. This works in many different ways. Isn't this a good thing that our circumstances don't change the consistency of God's love? Because when we sin, He doesn't love us less. When we mess up, his faithfulness doesn't decline. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to go from here in my faithfulness to here. He stays the same. Our God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a holy God. The attributes of our God stay the same even in the midst of our suffering. And this is what we have to anchor ourselves to. We talked about the story of the storm. We must anchor ourselves to who God is in the moments where the storm of suffering seems to be bruising and battering us. If we allow the storm of suffering to push us along in life and the journey, we're going to be lost. 
But as soon as we get that phone call, as soon as we get that email, that text, as soon as something bad happens in our life, we say, God, I am anchoring myself to you. I'm anchoring myself to your truth, your word, your promises, then God will keep us on course. I also love that God doesn't downplay our suffering. He doesn't look at us and, and think, oh, you know, you're, just, you're going through that little thing. It's not that big of a deal. God cares about every single one of us individually in these moments. I love how even Matthew 10, 20, 29 through 31 puts it. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them will fall to the ground. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very head, hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Did you know the sparrow was sold for a few pennies in the marketplace? It was the cheapest of all animals. And it says that if God even cares about the sparrow, how much more does our God care about us? Listen, we've got to identify the problem when we go through suffering. The problem isn't our God. God is the solution. So many times we try to solve our suffering instead of surrendering our suffering. You may be in a season right now where you're trying to think of every possible solution. Have you thought about God? Surrender your suffering to Him and let Him be the answer in your life. The next thing we learn is we must pursue the purpose. Look at what John 9, 3 says. This is sometimes a very hard verse. This can be difficult. John 3, Jesus answers his disciples, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. This is, so, this is hard sometimes for our human minds to grasp. But even in our suffering, God is working. I love how Paul puts this, because Paul really understood this. Paul went through a lot of suffering in his life. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 8-10, Always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything. I endure all forms of suffering for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Listen, our suffering doesn't change the purpose of the gospel. And Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus even went through these terrible moments of suffering. That's the amazing thing that, that makes him 100% God, 100% human. So he can relate to us. And what's difficult is sometimes we get hit with these moments of pain and heartache. And it causes us to pause in our purpose. When God says, continue to push forward. Continue to pursue the purpose that I gave you. The gospel doesn't change in our suffering. And as I look around, and I know uh, the people sitting in LaGrange and online, God has given all of you gifts and talents and passions in your life. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where someone comes in and sits down and says, listen, I know this is the dream God's placed in my heart. I know this is the career God wants me to go towards, but this happened in my life, and it caused me to stop. God has given you a purpose. God's given you the gospel, and he's given you a passion. 
We have to keep pursuing the purpose of God in our suffering. We can't stop. You see, our purpose doesn't change in suffering. God's love, it doesn't change in the suffering. I love that Jesus gave the greatest example of this. He truly understood what his purpose was. Hebrews 12 is talking about Jesus when it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Have you ever thought about that verse? For the joy set before him, he went to his death. He went to the cross for me and you. And there was joy? When we commit in our suffering that, God, I'm going to continue to pursue the purpose you've given me, then joy is the reward. Can you, can you think about that? Many of you, most of you raised your hands just a second ago that I'm going through a season of suffering or I know someone in a season of suffering. What if you were joyful in that suffering? That doesn't make sense, does it? It's kind of crazy to think about. For the joy set before him, our God endured the cross. You know what this shows us? This shows us that, you know, suffering can dampen our happiness. I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, I'm going through suffering. Awesome. But it can't steal our joy in Christ. Happiness is a feeling based on circumstances. Joy is a conviction centered around the hope of Jesus. So listen, I know you may be going through hard times. You may be dealing with cancer right now. You may be fighting for your marriage. You may be having financial trouble where you don't know what the the next step or how you're going to pay the next bill. You may not have happiness in this moment, but you can still have the joy of Christ that fuels you, that pushes you to pursue your purpose. Because our circumstances don't change the value of our God. Our circumstances don't change the power of the gospel. What if we allowed the gospel and our God to change our circumstances, to change our mindset, to change the way we think. You know, to reference the storm again that I was in, when the jellyfish started singing, or stinging me, I, I can still remember the captain, my friend, I, and I can still hear my mom, I actually talked to her about the story a few days ago. She said, I remember we were yelling at y'all, don't stop, keep swimming, don't turn around. If we don't keep pursuing our purpose and our suffering, sometimes the enemy tells us to stop. And we just keep getting surrounded by all these stinging pains, by this hurt, by all these troubles. When God is saying, keep going, push forward. If you stop, you might drown. Don't turn back. There's going to be more pain. Continue to pursue the purpose. Because that is where joy and hope is. The next thing is we must rely on the power of God. You see, God's power is always available to us in our suffering. It's always available. And he calls us to act obediently upon it. This is the part of the story that we read of the blind man that I really love. Because God works in different ways than we expect, doesn't he? You know, we kind of have a plan for how things are going to go. And and God says, I'm I'm actually going to take you this way and that way. When I read that story, did you kind of think, wait, did you just say that Jesus made mud out of his spit? Can you imagine, just let's put ourselves in this story for a moment. 
This man is blind since birth. He has never, ever seen light. He's never seen someone's face. He's never seen a smile. But he's heard about this man named Jesus. And Jesus, as he's getting away from these Pharisees, they're trying to kill him. He approaches him. And the disciples say, why is this man blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, you are about to see the glory of God in this man's life. I'm sure this blind man was thinking, awesome, Jesus is about to heal me. All Jesus has to do is snap his fingers and say, you're healed, my son. He doesn't hear that. What does he hear? How much spit does it take to make mud? Have you thought about that? I feel like this blind man would be sitting there for a hot minute going, I don't, what, guys, what's happening? I can't see. What's going on? And is the crowd going, man, that pollen's really getting a Jesus. Whew, tough season for some allergies. And then Jesus bends down. He starts scooping up his own spit and making mud. And he picks up the mud. And can you kind of start to hear the crowd murmur? What are they saying? Wait. What's about to happen? The blind man's going, what? What? I can't see. What is he about to do? He doesn't know that Jesus' hands is almost touching his eyes. He can't see this. And all of a sudden, he feels this sensation of something wet all over his eyes. Was the crowd screaming at Jesus, that's disgusting, what are you doing to this man? How was this man reacting? But listen, sometimes when we're suffering, when we're in these moments of pain, it may feel messy, it may look dirty, it may feel muddy, but a miracle is coming. We can't reject the messiness, the muddiness, because we may be rejecting God's plan. We may be rejecting the miracle. Think about how this mud would have hardened on this man's eyes. Actually, even closed his eyes even more. He might have been thinking, at least I could have, you know, moved my eyelids around. But now he has this mud that is caking on his eyes and hardening. And sometimes when our suffering gets even tougher, we need to dig even deeper into the presence of God. We need to rely even more on him. So what happens next? We learn in verse 7 that we must willingly put action to our obedience and our suffering. Jesus says, go and wash. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? Go and wash. This man is blind. The pool of Siloam wasn't sitting right there beside him. If you actually look up and study the pool of Siloam, it had these steps getting down to it. You had to go kind of outside the city to get to it. So this man couldn't just run to the promise. God, you're about to heal my suffering. I'm about to get there. And we got to understand a lot of times in our suffering, we want God to instantly heal us. God, take this suffering away from me. When he says, I want you to put your faith into action because I want to grow you and I want to stretch you. There may still be a journey that you have to step, but are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to follow instruction and be obedient? This man had to find his way to the pool. Can you imagine as he's walking in, people are going, what's in that dude's eyes? What is he doing? He finally steps in the pool. He washes off. He's obedient. Who knows how long it took him to get there. He washes it off, and the man can see. The man is healed. 
Are you willing to go on the journey that God calls us through in obedience, even in our suffering? You see, an anticipation of promised restoration must be complemented with our expectant obedience. In your suffering, anticipate what God wants to do. Ask Him to do incredible things and then be willing to follow what He tells you to do. The same path that this man walked in his suffering was his return path to seeing. I love this. The same path that he walked in suffering was his return path to seeing. Maybe God brings you through a journey of suffering. So at the end, have you ever got to the end of a suffering and you look back and say, God, I see how your hand was working. I see how you were moving. And then this allows you to take your suffering from healing. And you get to go back on the same journey. And you get to look at people who are in the same season of suffering that you were in and say, your hope is in Jesus. Jesus has a miracle waiting for you. He has healing waiting for you. Don't stop. Don't turn around. Push forward even in your suffering. You see, the end of your trial may be the beginning of your miracle. Don't give up on the power of God in your life because a miracle may be waiting. I think a good question we can ask ourselves is how can I glorify God? God, how can I trust you in this season even when I don't understand? I'm sure the blind man didn't understand why he had mud dripping down his face. But he trusted the Lord and he found healing. The last thing we must do is commit to praise. A commitment to praise God in the midst of suffering positions our heart to a humble reliance on the mercy of our Savior. This is tough. This is tough to say, God, I'm really struggling right now. I've been suffering for weeks, months, maybe even years, but God, I'm going to commit to praise you. We see later in the story where Jesus finds the blind man and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus says, you have now seen him with your eyes because he was healed. It says, the man says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You see, praise, it's our prescription for pain. We might try to to do so many other things in our life to, to heal our pain, to make the pain subside. But what if you positioned your heart in a stance of praise to worship God even in these moments? You see, I think that praise is a command and a responsibility for the believer. If you're a believer in here, even in your suffering, this is what we're supposed to do. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Listen, if the subject of your life is your suffering, then you're missing out. The subject of your life should be our Savior. Too many people walk around and they want their suffering to be on display. What if your Savior was on display in the midst of your suffering? This is what we are supposed to do. There's a story that will always stick out to me for my entire life. You know, I've told you that I feel like our family has gone through so many different trials and suffering with disease and sickness that's led to death. Lauren's mom uh, remarried to a man named Tom, who was like a dad to her. And literally just like a week after their, their wedding, he started, his body started to feel weird. And didn't understand why. And very quickly they found out that he had a disease that was causing his body to rapidly deteriorate. This was a man who went from building houses 
to very quickly walking with a cane. Then moments where we had to push him around in a wheelchair. And then he found himself where he couldn't get out of bed all in a short amount of time. I still remember the phone call we also got in that moment. We were sitting on our sofa in our living room that Tom had passed away. It was quicker than we expected. We had just uh, gotten married. It wasn't too long after that. And I remember the heartache we felt right then. The drive up felt like it took an eternity. As we're crying and sobbing, we finally make it up there and the funeral happens a, a few days later. This will always stick out in my mind. In the middle of the funeral, they play a worship song. I'm holding Lauren's hand. This was a man who was like a dad to her. I'm holding her hand. And all of a sudden, Lauren lifts her hands up. And she commits, God, I'm going to praise you in my suffering. Lord, there's things on this earth that my human mind doesn't understand, but I'm going to position my heart because I trust you. You're a good God. My circumstances don't change your power. My circumstances don't change your love. God, I'm going to praise you. Y'all remember this like it happened yesterday. Are you willing to praise God in the midst of your suffering? When we praise God in our suffering, it prepares our heart to praise God in our healing. If you want to praise God in your moment of healing, praise Him right now. Praise Him right now in your suffering. You see, these seasons of suffering should always point us to our need for a Savior. Jesus met this man in the middle of his suffering, and Jesus wants to meet you right now. You may already know him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in here today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. He wants to meet you right now in this moment and heal you and forgive you and direct you and show you your purpose. Are you going to allow yourself to see the miracle of God in your life today? You see, I'll be honest with you. If you don't know Christ in here today and you go through seasons of suffering, I don't know how you do it. This is me just being honest. I've done many funerals. And the funerals where we get to stand up here and rejoice over the life someone lived for Christ gives so much hope and meaning. They knew Jesus. Jesus came to this earth to die for our sin and suffering so we could have a relationship with him and then spend eternity with him in heaven. When we don't ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin then it leads to an eternity in hell. If we think we know what suffering is like right now, I don't want to even imagine what that's going to be like. There's been one time where someone asked me to do a funeral and it was for someone that didn't know Jesus. And y'all, my heart absolutely broke. It absolutely broke because I don't know what to say in that moment. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. This man who heals, who does miracles, who makes the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. If you're standing here today and you don't know Jesus, I honestly don't know how you do it. But today can be your day. In LaGrange, today can be your day. If you're watching this comeback from the beach, today can be your day. 
where you don't have to be like this person that says, I'm wandering through all this pain and suffering in the world. You keep asking all these questions, why? But God, today I'm learning how. How to deal with this. How you love me. And I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Because then when you can approach suffering, when something happens to you, I drop my anchor. I drop my anchor into the hope of Jesus. I drop my anchor into his love. And the wind and waves may come. It may push me around. It may bruise me. But you know what? I'm going to stay in the foundation of Christ and his love. I know he loves me. He never leaves me or forsakes me.